Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I am back for the third season. And wow, so much has changed since season two. Mainly in that I've been on my own journey through pregnancy and have joined this crazy, incredible club of motherhood. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pip, a practicing NHS midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness. I have a somewhat relentless passion for ensuring women are empowered with real, honest and reliable information and support throughout their pregnancy. Because my goodness, pregnancy is such a powerful time in a woman's life that is often miraculous and challenging in equal measures. Over the upcoming weekly episodes, I am joined by many leading experts to bring you the evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy and motherhood journey that you need to hear. Needless to say, I had my notebook at hand when recording this season, and I would recommend the same for you too. I hope you're ready for the giggles, knowledge bombs, and empowering chats to commence. But before I get quizzing our guests on this season, I have some questions for you. Have you found yourself with unanswered pregnancy questions? Have you been guilty of trying to navigate the rabbit warren of inaccurate information on the internet? Do you feel that extra support and guidance would be useful to you? If you answered yes to any of these, then fear not. My exclusive Your Pregnancy Journey course is for you. Spaces are limited, so if expert guidance through each stage of your pregnancy and birth preparation and a community support group with 24 access to asking questions sounds like it's for you, then head over to www.midwifepip.com now to check it out. And I look forward to getting to know you better and ensuring your pregnancy journey is the most empowering and positive it can be. You'll also find information all about my antenatal course options on my website. And any questions about choosing the right course for you, then please get in touch via the contact page and I'll be there to help you navigate the right choice. Pregnancy is a momentous time in a woman's life. 
our bodies are dipped into a roller coaster of hormonal changes and the physical and psychological adaption that takes place is huge. Mental health is thankfully being discussed more in pregnancy than in previous generations, but there is still an air of taboo that surrounds this subject. And it's so important we break those barriers down to support women. On this week's episode, I am joined by a fellow midwife, Tessa Vandervoord, who is a specialist NHS mental health midwife and can be found on Instagram as at mentalhealth underscore midwife, as linked in the description. We're going to discuss the whys, hows and whats of pregnancy mental health and help women to realise they are absolutely not alone in any struggles they may face on this journey. Tessa is a registered midwife and has been working for the NHS for the past 12 years. Prior to this, she trained in Manchester and then worked in London ever since. She's worked in most areas of midwifery and then settled in a specialist mental health post in 2016. Excitingly, in 2020, Tessa gave birth to her first baby, Rufus, and experienced being pregnant and becoming a parent in a global pandemic, as many of you may have as well. For many reasons, this journey was a huge learning curve for Tessa, and it's had an influence on her practice in many ways. Tessa's in the process of returning to her NHS work and is really looking forward to working with pregnant people and their families again. But before you go back to the NHS, Tessa, you've come on to join us today. So massive thank you for fitting us in around motherhood. Oh, thank you for having me. It's really, really nice to be here. And thank you for that lovely introduction as well. I'm really excited to discuss this subject, Tessa, because I think it's something that the more we can talk about, the more we can like lift the lid and vocalise, the more we can help support women. So first of all, I guess from all the pregnant or new expecting mums out there thank you for taking the career path you have and specializing in such an important um, important area of midwifery as well well thank you I mean I, I'm the one that feels thankful that I'm able to look after um, you know families in this really really um, it can be quite a challenging time for people which I'm sure we'll, we'll go on to talk about but um, I feel incredibly lucky to be guiding people through, um, you know, the journey of their pregnancy and it can come up with so many different, different things and it's completely personal and, and bespoke to each woman. It's not, it's not one size fits all. I think for the purpose of, of today's talk, I'll, I'll try and talk as generally as I can about maternal mental health, but I think it's really important to remember that you know, everyone's on their own journey and, um, you know, what, what's happening for one person may not be happening for another, but there will be themes that will resonate with, with some. Um, so I hope that, um, I do hope it's helpful. I've no doubt, I've no doubt. It certainly sounds like you found your calling in your specialty, but I just wonder, Tessa, what led you to specialise in mental health in, in your maternity career? Because there's kind of loads of little avenues that you could have gone down. So yeah. what drew you to mental health? Yeah, so I, I guess when I qualified, um, I sort of did the, the traditional thing that we all do when we first qualify, so it sort of rotated around and worked in all the different um, areas, and I actually enjoyed working in, in them all. There's no, there's no sort of place that I felt um, more comfortable in over another. You know, I, I was happy on the labour ward, and I was happy on the antenatal ward, I was happy on the birth centre, or in community, anywhere really, so I felt quite quite versatile but there was something there was something that um I felt I wanted to settle into and I did sort of 
try out different um different things not try out different things I, I sort of was had opportunities to to explore specializing in different roles so there was um I did things like uh fetal medicine so I did a little bit of that for for a while um I I managed a, an a antenatal department which I actually didn't enjoy very much I'm quite open about that but uh, that that, <laughs> that was for me for sure um, I've worked with uh, with pregnant people who are um, thinking about their options about giving birth after previously having a cesarean section. So birth uh, birth after cesarean. Um, I worked within like a vulnerable women's team or a socially complex team as well. So all these things I think built up um, lots of experience and exposure um, to, to lots of different things that can happen w- within within pregnancy. But what I think was most profound I guess was working within fetal medicine and that was um what that what that means for those that are listening is when you have your scans in in the pregnancy if if there's any sort of anomalies that are picked up on a scan um or any concerns uh often you're then referred to a fetal medicine department where those scans are a little bit more detailed and there's uh, more of an obstetric input and my my sort of role was working as a midwife within that department so counselling um, couples who perhaps have been given quite difficult news um, or uh, news that they weren't expecting um, and that was obviously a very emotional time for, for, for people that, that involved and I think that emotional aspect of it I felt really that there was something within that that made me feel quite strongly that actually the emotional side of having a baby is so powerful and can influence so many things um, and it, I think that's where it probably started. So anything I did after that, I sort of kept on, yeah, leaning towards the emotional side and and, and sort of a, a mental health in in general. And then when I was doing that that role um, of the, the management role that I didn't enjoy, um, the post for a maternal mental health midwife came up at, at the trust where I worked, and I thought, well, I really don't like what I'm doing at the moment. And <laughs> tea so I'm gonna go for that and please 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 I really want to get it and I was and I did um and yeah that was back in 2016 and I sort of developed quite a um quite a big service at at my hospital now I sort of link in with different mental health teams um different disciplines and sort of really really made it into something and I've I've really enjoyed it and I've got a lot out of it um and I guess the sort of work that I, I do, it's quite broad. So I, I sort of care for um, for pregnant people who are uh, either have a significant history of, of mental illness or perhaps are experiencing mental illness uh, for the first time in, in their pregnancy or maybe at slightly higher risk of developing mental health complications in the pregnancy or afterwards. There's also another branch to my service where I... I, I meet with um, people who perhaps have a marked fear of, of childbirth or labour um, or may have had a previous negative birth experience who are feeling very anxious about the sort of the subsequent um, birth so um, there's lots of lots of things that I do it's sort of not not just one one thing um, but that's that's sort of it in a, in a nutshell. Amazing and what a much needed service as well like it's an in, incredible thing that that we just need and we just need more of it don't we we just need that to be a um, fundamental part of women's journey. I just wonder Tessa kind of on a, on a side note having gone through the the pandemic that we are I guess still kind of navigating 
um, and hopefully working a way out of. Have you seen a rise in women accessing your service? Have you seen a sort of deterioration in some of the maternal mental health as a result of lockdown and the, and the measures and stressors? Definitely. And I guess um, I had this conversation recently with the person who's been covering my job since I've been on maternity leave, because what I what I experienced before I went on maternity leave, and that was sort of in the very beginning, you know, March 2020, all the way through, you know, the, the summer of 2020. And then I'd just gone on maternity leave as we went into our second lockdown in November. Um, so that sort of first part of the pandemic, I found it really interesting. So I think in the general population there was a lot of anxiety around the mm. coronavirus understandably so everyone's sort of stress and anxiety levels went up but I think once we got into that lockdown in sort of March April time and got settled into life living with this within this pandemic things started to settle and actually I, I saw an improvement in people's mental health in a weird way okay, I think interesting. And the reason for that I think I think because we were safe and in our homes and um, those who find routine very important to their everyday had settled into a, a routine. Mm. Um, people who perhaps had um, depression or, or found being in social situations difficult, that had been taken away from them. So actually they were dealing with day-to-day -day life much better. I'm not saying like for everyone, it was it was an improvement, but I just found it interesting that there was a slight improvement where you'd think that it would there would be a deterioration. Actually, there was a it was positive in in some mm. ways. Um, but then obviously we had the tackle of trying to going back, trying to go back to normal, and and the challenges of of dealing with that. And again, have another spike in stress and anxiety around that. And, you know, should we, we're allowed to go out, but should we be going out? Should we shake hands? Should we hug? Should we, you know, what, what can we do? What can't we do? Lots of confusion um, around the rules. Um, so, yeah, no, it was interesting. But from, from what my um, colleague who's been covering my, my job um, since I've been off, I had a conversation with her just this week about it. And she said she's found there's been a huge um, spike in sort of, people with uh, suffering with a lot of anxiety and, and stress around it for, for lots of different reasons so um, certainly services are, are being utilized much more more than they ever have been before I think as a result of the pandemic mm -hmm. but um, we know the pandemic has had such a big influence and big ripple effect for loads of different things but mental health I think is, is a big one for sure yeah 100% it's got to be isn't it the world was literally like thrown apart I felt like we were in a, in a movie it just just mm -hmm. didn't feel just didn't feel real Aside from the pandemic, pregnancy obviously causes huge kind of physical and hormonal changes in women's bodies. Are there any things in particular that can make women more susceptible to mental health complications than their neighbour or their friend, etc.? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think, like I said at the beginning, it's very individual how, um, how these things manifest and how, how these things begin. Um, but what I have noticed... Um, for, for some people is uh, those who've perhaps experienced something like hyperemesis, um, not, not, mm. in, not just in the first trimester, but we know being in that first trimester is for, for most people very, very tiring. You're just exhausted all the time. You it's a bit like rotten, isn't it? <laughs> and actually I have to say from a personal point of view that, that that first trimester has opened my eyes massively. I look back at conversations I had with, with pregnant people before I, had my own baby and I cringe to think about the I, I would never dismiss anybody but like I definitely didn't take their needs 
I could have taken their needs much more seriously um, at the time. And I'm, I'm very, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I feel like I have to say it because I now feel I've got another layer of understanding and empathy for those um, that are experiencing those early, um, you know, first trimester symptoms. Oh, I totally echo that, Tessa. <laughs> totally. <laughs> It's um, it's really, really tough. And obviously, if you're feeling rotten physically, you're going to feel rot- rotten mentally as well. You know, if you're not sleeping or not eating properly, you know, not not keeping hydrated, all of those simple yet fundamental things, you know, have an impact on how we feel. So um, for sure, something like hyperemphasis you know, hyperemesis is severe, but I, I'm talking just the general first trimester symptoms mm. as well. Um, another thing I, I hear a lot of, or I see a lot of in my line of work is those who are, are unfortunately um, suffering with a lot of pelvic girdle pain. That's that's something that can exacerbate um, feelings of, um, you know, feeling low, low, not being able to be as mobile as you want or being in pain constantly. That tends to... Um, that tends to exacerbate those sort of negative um, emotions but I think it's important to remember that you can be having what we would call I know we don't like to call it this anymore but a textbook pregnancy um if you're having a straightforward uh, pregnancy with with no complications that that doesn't protect you from developing mental health um, illness because as we know it, it can affect anybody it can impact anybody it doesn't matter what your or what's going on for you in the pregnancy and but of course there are things that can happen that will exacerbate um those symptoms but it can happen for for anyone regardless of the situation and i think that's important to recognize isn't it that actually mental health is completely non-discriminatory you know it can affect any of us at any time without warning um or or without kind of any pre-existing trigger um as it may be so how can we sort of I guess, I guess we want to kind of be screening ourselves in pregnancy or asking those around us to keep a little check and kind of screen our mental health for us as well to try and try and protect us a little bit. What kind of signs or symptoms can we try and look out for that might indicate perhaps something's going on or we might need to kind of um, take a little check on ourselves or perhaps seek some support? I think historically people have always been quite jovial about the fact that your hormones are up and down when you're pregnant and therefore you can be a hormonal person so feeling up and down and you know crying at the tv one minute and then being (laughs) happy the next and that that's that's just pregnancy isn't it but I think it's a fine balance um of acknowledging that but also drawing the line and having a low threshold um you know for, for for what isn't normal so what in in my perspective is that those feelings of um, feeling very low, uh, irritable, perhaps tearful, not having or experiencing enjoyment from things that you'd usually find enjoyable, um, all those times of all those types of uh, things, but persistently. So rather than fleeting, if those feelings and thoughts and emotions are persistent and they're impacting how you feel in terms of um, your day-to-day life, uh, your work, your relationships, your sleep, your diet. Um, that's that's sort of the threshold that we need to adopt and say, actually, this isn't normal. This isn't just my hormones. Because I think we have got into a, um, a realm of sort of dismissing people's um, symptoms and putting them down just to being hormonal. And actually we need to, we need to abolish that. I think it, I think it, if it's, if it's persistent and it's having such a profound impact on you in terms of your day-to-day then that that's the time to to seek help for sure 
that's really good advice. So thank, thank you, Tess, because I think that's a really important thing. We, we kind of, we don't shy away from accessing that help. You know, if you do notice something, then speaking out is so, so important. And as women, we are often terrible at asking for help, but actually it's a time when it's really important that, that we do if it's needed. And I know we spoke about how the first trimester can be a little bit of a bumpy journey and, and quite often women do feel quite rotten. Now, pregnancy generally when we kind of consider pregnancy it's it's generally a hugely kind of celebrated time and you're meant to feel really happy and have almost a bit of pressure on you to be really happy and joyous and I wonder whether how you feel whether that can perhaps form a trigger for women especially if they are feeling really rough but yet they've got this pressure to be joyous and happy because they're pregnant and and we feel like we should be yeah that's that's such misconception isn't it that we we sort of have grown up in a world where um pregnancy is something to be celebrated and and you see these pictures in the media of sort of glowing mothers and they're rubbing their bumps and they look really happy and really healthy but when you when you come when it comes down to it actually i've always been taught that first of all around 50 percent of pregnancies are unplanned so often people have that to tackle that to get their head around first of all um the second thing is actually that's that's not it's not commonly um, it's not common that someone's feeling 100 percent brilliant <laughs> throughout their whole, whole pregnancy. You know, their body is going through such a massive change um, and feeling very tired, not a- able to sleep or or, or eat um, sometimes, you know, in, in the way they, they want to be. Um, that has a big um, knock on effect, too. But I think what's important to think about, too, is even those pregnancies that are planned and longed for and and perhaps someone who's been on a very long journey already to get pregnant, they I've seen lots of people who feel incredibly guilty for them not feeling happy when they're pregnant. And actually, um, you know, for something that's so longed for, it, it doesn't equate to them feeling joyous and happy once you are finally pregnant, you know. Anyway, if you look at it for, at what it is, you're gonna you're gonna feel extremely anxious and stressed, and you just want to get to the end. You want to get to the end, um, say the end product. You, you know, the baby at the end, because that is what you've been wanting yeah. for such a long time, and 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 working towards for such a long time. So actually, it compounds lots of feelings of guilt and, and inadequacy and, and and things like that, and and people feel incredibly guilty for having those negative feelings when they should be feeling happy and joyous and so I think I think there's been a lot of work though there's been a lot of work to try and um, normalize how people truly feel in in pregnancy there's lots of people out there who are um, helping to to get that message across and I think we are getting much better at it but um, yeah I think going going forward I think being being realistic about the situation and, and, and how, how you feel. It's not, it's not always going to be, you know, it's such a big life change, such a big life event. And then with any, with any big life event that you have, um, you know, there's always stresses and, and, and things that come along with it, whether it be, you know, buying a house or, or getting married or, you know, those big life events that we always think about and talk about. And we always talk about the stresses that come along with it. But we don't talk that way about pregnancy and having a baby, which is really strange, isn't it? But um, and equally, having a change in your mental state as well when you're pregnant is probably the most common thing that happens in pregnancy in comparison to other things we we talk quite freely about, like 
you know, if we have, um, I don't know, bleeding in our pregnancy or we have a bit of high blood pressure or we develop diabetes, you know, all these things just happen in conversation, don't they? And we talk about them quite freely. But why don't we talk about when there's been a change in our emotional state more, more freely? Uh, I don't know the answer. I've been working on that for quite a long time, but I think we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought of it in, in the same context as, like you say, like common pregnancy complications that women will quite happily chat about. But yeah, you're right. It's one of those things, isn't it? We just need to smash that taboo and really lift, lift the lid and, and get discussing it as much as possible and normalise it so that women feel, feel more comfortable talking about it as well. Yeah. We mentioned um, at the beginning, Tessa, you mentioned that through your service, one of the things that you are seeing is women who have a fear of childbirth or tocophobia, as we sometimes call it as midwives. Have you seen big links between this and kind of mental health for women? Because certainly as a, as a midwife, I practice on a labor ward setting. It's something I definitely seen rises in is that kind of real fear of birth um, mm. and tocophobia in women. Yeah, definitely. I th- they're two, I would probably think, I would probably say that they are two different things as well I think fear of birth is very general and many of us have that already Um, I think that can be boiled down to what we know about labour and birth prior to being pregnant so what we've grown up watching listening to Mm. reading to what 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 our perception of labour and birth is and I don't know about you Pip but when I think back to my sex ed (laughs) you know uh, you know classes at school um, watching a very dodgy video of someone um, uh, giving birth and it, it could be you know quite chaotic and 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 quite and probably quite disturbing for, for lots of people certainly if you're a 10 year old or however, however yeah <laughs> um, you know that's that's most people's perception of what birth is and we know that birth isn't always like that um, I mean the media has not helped has it it really yeah. it's coached us to believe birth to be this awful fearful horrendous thing so it's no wonder so many women have this kind of underlying fear exactly and I think I heard something quite funny once that um that that popular channel four program that that people, <laughs> um, uh, you know if if that you know production companies obviously have to make a programs about labor and birth they've got to make it exciting and engaging and, and keep people's attention if if this person that made me laugh if you actually filmed the whole thing for what it was it would be a really boring program It'd be a really boring program yeah if you follow someone's induction you know they're like two or three day induction of labor no one would be tuning in <laughs> yeah definitely but um so yeah i think fear of birth i think a lot of that is down to what what we know so good education is 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 a big thing when it comes to to fear of birth and i think a lot of um myths can be busted uh, around labor and and birth and the normal physiology and and learning about the normal physiology of labor and birth is so powerful as well and you know there's lots that we don't know you know i know it and you know it as midwives but the general population don't know about the amazing um things that our our body does throughout pregnancy and, and during birth so um i think good education is is a must um tocophobia i think is 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 quite a deep ingrained and marked fear of birth which is again it's different for different people we don't truly know how many people have tocophobia because actually those with a severe tocophobia don't actually choose not to have children because their fear is is so marked so we don't we don't there's lots about tocophobia that we actually don't know um but certainly fear of birth and and the mental health overlap 
for sure. I think we live in a society now where we are big planners. We like to plan everything around our life. We like to be in control of every aspect of our life. And then suddenly when we're pregnant, there's so many changes going on, not just in our life, but sort of physical changes, how we look, how we feel, um, you know, it impacts our work, it impacts our relationships, it impacts everything. And then you're faced with this event where you're going to give birth and there's so much, so many variables around that and what, what could and couldn't, could and could not happen. Um, so it, 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 it ignites a lot of anxiety in people. If you think about it like that, if we're put in a position where we feel uncontained or unsafe or unsure, that, that ignites the anxiety and the stress, doesn't it? So, um, so yes, in answer to your long, long-winded answer to your question, there's definitely a link between um, you know someone who's experiencing a lot of fear around birth and, and, and sort of that anxiety and mental health in general, definitely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That was brilliant, Tess. And I think actually it's really good for women to know that if they're thinking actually that's something that's impacting their pregnancy journey or their birth choices, or even like you say, getting pregnant at all, it's yeah. really, really important. They know there is services out there like like the sort of service you offer in your local trust um, to, to help women through that because that's a really, really difficult time. And information is just so empowering. Like having real honest evidence-based information is, is super important. And that's part of the ethos behind this whole podcast and why we're having chats like this today mm. is because, you know, getting that, getting that real information to women that isn't, you know, kind of Wikipedia-based or a quick Google search that sends you down a whole rabbit warren of really unhelpful, inaccurate information is super mm. important. So touching into those, those real honest resources is, is vital, I think. Yes, definitely. Now, I don't know about you, Tessa, but I've certainly met lots of women who have either been on pre-existing mental health medication prior to becoming pregnant or have been advised to start some in pregnancy. And generally, women have a concern, I think, about taking any medication in pregnancy, because obviously our primary goal is protecting this little being that is growing. Do you have any advice to women who are on medication or been advised to start some medication about for their mental health in pregnancy and how to kind of navigate those feelings? Yeah, definitely. And I think what, uh, first of all, what I'll do is um, I'll give you the link after this to put in your, your notes. There's a really good website called Bumps and that, that gives Brilliant. you lots of information around um, loads of different medications, not just mental health uh, medications for mental health, but um, lots of evidence-based information uh, of what we know the impact of these medications can have on our babies. But you're right. Um, obviously, the reason we worry about this is because we want to protect our babies and we feel responsible and obviously whatever we do we don't want that to impact our our children our unborn in, in, a, in a negative way so um that's only natural <laughs> to have those worries and, and concerns it's not unusual i think it would be more unusual if you didn't care at all yeah <laughs> so absolutely <laughs> it's normal it's normal to, to care uh, and it's good to care um it's a fine balance pip you know what what works for one person may not work for another 
I, what I would say is a happy and a healthy mum equates to a happy and a healthy baby. And if medication is the link between those two things, then and, and is deemed um, uh, the safest, safest option, you know, the next next form of treatment, then I would always, you know, in, encourage um, uh, pregnant people to, to engage in that. But it really is um, their own choice and what they feel comfortable with. What you don't want is to treat um, someone who perhaps is experiencing high levels of, of anxiety and what you, what you don't want is for those anxiety levels to increase even more just because the medication just because of the medication uh, as well it's got to be done in, 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 a, in a fine balance um but it's what we know about medications we actually know a lot because the medications have been around a long time people have been taking them for a long time and it's actually a very small uh, percentage of mental health medication that is deemed unsafe um, you know the, the majority of the medications that are prescribed are safe to take in pregnancy and when I say safe you know there's nothing there's always going to be something out there that you could read um, about the impacts of taking a certain medication and how that how that impacts our babies but there's been nothing to show that the the sort of day-to-day -day general popular medications or common medications I should say um, there's nothing there to suggest that they are dangerous for our babies, from what we know. And, and the data actually, it, it's, it's massive and it has been on, ongoing for many, many years. We're continuing to learn, um, you know, all the time. <laughs> so um, the only way we will know is as time goes by. But what I would, I would just encourage people to balance up you know the, the pros and, and the cons and um make their own own decisions um and just make sure that their healthcare provider is is providing them with with a choice and uh, and their options as well you know there's always other options um that can be be considered you know it's very rare for um even just a gp to you know if you go to a gp with a mental health problem they're not automatically going to give you a prescription of antidepressants you know that shouldn't be happening um there should be conversations being had first and, and, and other things um tried out before before that um but for some medication is is the absolute best thing so um like i say and and the running theme <laughs> is always you know it's each to their own it, it what works for one person may not work for another um so it just needs to be discussed in 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 depth yeah but getting I, that balance is key isn't it definitely yeah, definitely and often we would recommend or women might even start to explore themselves some kind of self self-help style measures kind of prior to medication or alongside medication whatever that journey might be unique to each individual um, what kind of self-help measures do you think women could utilise or should start exploring if, if they feel they need? And actually, it's probably just good for our everyday well-being anyway, isn't it? <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah, I mean, it's these things that I'm going to mention now, you know, anyone can do. But um, I guess what's what's important to remember as well is having any treatment for mental health, there's never a quick fix. It always takes time, uh, whether that be waiting for medication to start working or whether it be waiting to see a talking therapy service or whatever it is there's always a bit of a wait um, or a gap between these things starting and the, these things being treated so there are many things that you can try to bridge that gap to help yourself in the meantime um, one thing that I found even myself uh, in the pregnancy and we talk about it a lot but it's very powerful um, things like mindfulness and meditation that's extremely helpful um 
I know it gets battered around a lot that we should all be, you know, having a, a time to be mindful and, and meditate every day, but it's fitting it into our busy lives, isn't it? And that's part of the part of the issue. We need to make time um, for ourselves, even if it's just five minutes to to you know plug in and listen um, to you know a, a five minute program or a fifteen minute program or a half an hour program, whatever it is, um, just to help reset our minds and and and, and be present. Um, it's it can be so powerful um and what i always say it's not it doesn't fix the problem necessarily it just resets your your mind and helps you to to deal with the issues in in a much more healthy way rather than feeling overwhelmed you know 24 7 it just gives our brain a bit of respite for that 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 time and then the other things are are sort of simple things really again things that we take for granted that we don't we know we should be doing but we often don't so keeping hydrated trying to sleep as uh, you know and rest as much as we can taking taking breaks whether that be breaks away from work or, or ensuring that we're actually taking our lunch breaks or, or whatever um and uh you know healthy balanced diet as well you know what we put into our bodies is 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 really you know that can have such a such an impact on how we feel you know if we're eating eating badly but you know not eating the right things in excess can can make us feel um not not very chipper <laughs> for, that's so true i think we forget don't we? we always try and separate sometimes our kind of mental health and our physical health and i think we forget that actually they're so interconnected you know yeah. we kind of you supporting one will only help support the other but i think yeah. quite often we try and always separate them as two different entities yeah, um, yeah. but actually like you say looking after your physical health is going to really really support your your mental well-being as well and with that as well, sort of um, incorporating just a bit of exercise um, where we can, you know, it, everyone's different. I'm not a massive um, exercise person yet. yet. I know that you, you are, Pip, you know, everyone's different. <laughs> what what My form of exercise is probably very different to your, your form of exercise. But regardless of what, what your perception of what works for you, you know, whether it be a five minute walk around the block or whether it be a 20 minute, you know, exercise session or whatever it may be. Um, doing something just to get your heart pumping and, and some fresh air um, really, really helps as well. Gosh, yeah, getting fresh air, like even if it's just standing in your garden, looking yeah. at some green space and taking yeah. 10 deep breaths is just so, so good for us, isn't it? If that's all you can, all you can muster up the energy to do, especially if you've got a newborn at home, then yeah, that's definitely fresh air is so powerful. I think everyone noticed that, didn't they? When, when we had the pet, when we had the lockdown and we were in, in our homes and we had that sort of um, I don't want to say it's a funny rule, but when I look back, it does seem like a funny rule. That yeah. one hour, the what, hour of freedom. One hour, one hour <laughs> I think everyone became more perceptive about, you know, the impact of fresh air and, and being outside and how that makes us feel, because that's all we, we could do. Yeah. Um, so I think people have got a newfound, you know, not respect for the outdoors or nature. Or may, maybe they do. I don't know. But I certainly have noticed the difference it, it, it makes. Sure. definitely oh my gosh we we learned so much about our local area by anything <laughs> else to explore that local hour it was it was really good so Tessa where can women go for support with their mental health in pregnancy if they think actually yeah do you know what this is something I need some some more expertise these self-help measures aren't quite cutting the, the mustard um so I think first of all um the beauty of talking and 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 saying how we're feeling whether that be out loud or whether that be 
written down can be really really helpful because mm. when you think about um anxiety in particular you know those racing thoughts uh, circling round and round and round in our brains actually getting them out can be hugely therapeutic and i don't mean in like a in a talking therapy um capacity i mean just a general again it's probably just another self-help thing i'm mentioning here but just talking about these things to someone that we 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 trust um or, or writing them down if we don't feel comfortable enough to do that is is powerful so getting them out of our heads and, and, and out into the open or down on a piece of paper is, is hugely helpful but in terms of who you can turn to in the pregnancy um you know your your midwife um your gp or your health visitor you know they're they're all trained to have these conversations with with pregnant people and they have them every day um so i would i would say speak out and, and speak up you know we were meant to be asking these questions as midwives and, and as doctors and health visitors but um having those conversations with us will then start the ball rolling and getting the, the right support um you know there's sort of two avenues that, that, that no there's more than two avenues but in, in sort of the ge general sense you know there's either being referred to a service like a talking therapy service or if the the problems or concerns that you're experiencing are um, moderate to, to severe. There's, there's something called a perinatal service, which is a, a mental health service um, with uh, doctors and nurses that specialise in, in mental health um, during pregnancy and, and the first year of, of parenthood. Um, or there's an option of, of starting a medication programme um, as well. But as I mentioned before, not, not always. Usually we, we like to have conversations about what's happening first before... before um, resorting to, to medication or considering med medication, I should say. So, yeah, I would say the first thing is accessing, uh, talking to your your, your healthcare provider. Um, there's there's loads of um, sort of organisations out there that are really hugely helpful. Um, I'll name a few. There's um, there's Pandas, uh, Best Beginnings, um, the Maternal Mental Health Alliance, Perinatal Positivity. There's absolutely loads. Um, uh, whether it be sort of on social media or um, or yeah, or charities and, and organisations, but what I'll do, Pip, is I'll I'll give them to you to, to add into, into the notes because there really are many, many, many. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, and we can link those in the description as well. So if anyone wants to check out any of those um, websites, etc., then they are signposted straight away to them. That'd be really quite helpful. A of, quite a lot of these charities and organisations have sort of helplines as well. So even if you're not feeling sure about talking to your midwife or GP or, or even talking to your loved one, you know, if you want to talk to someone who's completely separate to your maternity care or, or your or your personal life, you know, the, the, these these organisations have helplines as well if you're not quite sure where to turn and what to say, because they'll ask the right questions and, and give you that support too. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Tessa. That's really helpful. And to anyone listening, um, if you are experiencing any concerns, then we'd really, really urge you to, to seek that support and help because it is really important. Now, everyone that comes on the podcast, Tessa, I always ask to end with three top tips. So sorry to pop you on the spot, um, but if you could try and share your three top tips to any expectant mums on supporting their mental health during their pregnancy. No pressure. <laughs> I think I've definitely mentioned one already more than once, and that's uh, that speaking out. Speaking out is a huge one. So, um, you know, that's the first step. It's the hardest step, but it's the first step to, to getting help and getting to a better back to a better place again. So, speaking out um, is probably my, my biggest um, 
piece of the uh, biggest tip um and just with that as well not not suffering in silence um you know it's it's okay not to be okay it's 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 okay to have um bad day bad days bad weeks and don't don't um succumb to that social expectation that that you're meant to be happy in your pregnancy you know we've talked about that i know already but um i can't um emphasize how how important that is um another one that i think i'm guilty of myself is um comparison you know comparison is the thief of joy it's one of my favorite um mm. sayings but because it's so true and i think living in a world where we're looking on our phones a lot and we're on social media it's very very easy to be scrolling through looking at other people on a similar journey or journeys um to us and and comparing um it might they may not even be on the same journey as us but we still compare you know in terms of what they're wearing or what their kitchen looks like or what they where they're going on holiday or you know whatever it is um but actually we're only ever seeing a snippet of their life and we're seeing a good snippet of their life you, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and it's just not not healthy to to compare because we we're all on our own journey um so but it's easier said than done and i i'm not sitting here saying <laughs> that i've not been guilty of it because i i have um but I guess that's why I'm saying it because it's so um, it's so important um, to try and, and separate that and try and just live our own lives rather than compare. Um, and my last one as well is um, accept help from anyone for anything, especially in those early weeks of of being a parent for the first time, especially well, not even for the first time, subsequent times. You know, your life gets turned upside down and um, you don't know day from night. Yeah, you've got no idea what, what, what the time is, what the day is. Um, you know, you're extremely tired. People who are offering to cook you meals or do some laundry for you or do some shopping for you. It's not in our nature, I think, to accept help for, for sort of basic things like that. But it's such a huge help. Um, so if anyone's wanting to come around and visit the baby say yeah you can <laughs> but you need to take a load of washing with you yeah well. or bring lunch <laughs> or, or clean the kitchen or clean the bathroom or, or do something but yeah I think we're just I don't know whether it's a British thing or or what but we I'm guilty of it I don't I'm not very good at accepting um accepting help I like to be able to be in control and do things myself but you really should try and relinquish it especially as you're adjusting to life as a, as a parent um to a new baby then um for sure accept all the help for practical things because that in turn will help you emotionally in the long run because it's not all weighing down on our shoulders and we're not getting stressed about it because it's being dealt with 100 percent. three amazing tips tessa i will absolutely try and take that help one on board when our little one arrives <laughs> as well um because it is really important isn't it we're not meant to parent on our own yeah. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on to help raise awareness and lift the lid on such an important topic. I hope that's really helped lots of women out there that perhaps are navigating some changing emotions or some mental health issues during their pregnancy. Um, a big thank you, Tessa, um, for all the work you do and for joining us today. Thank you so much for having, having me. It's been, it's been great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women I can reach out to and empower with this information. 
For more daily free information, inspiration, or details on my bespoke antenatal education courses or your pregnancy journey course, then head over to my website, www.midwifepip.com and check out my Instagram page at midwife underscore pip. Thank you and see you next time. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.